Look at your neighbor and say, the word's for me today. The word is for me today. Would you put your hands together one more time and welcome Evangelist Rima Duncan today. All right, let's give that to the Lord this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let your praise sound like you were a prisoner, but now you're not. Hallelujah. Come on, let your shout sound like you were addicted, but now you're not. You were bound, but now you're not. Hallelujah. You were lost, but now you're not. Hallelujah. Come on, open up your mouth and give God a praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thankful for the presence of the Lord that is here. Honored to be back at Tree of Life here in the Finneytown campus. And uh, honored to be a back amongst friends and familiar faces in ministry that I've uh, grown to love and know uh, throughout the years. I greet uh, the Urshan family and uh, even pastor in his since I am honored to be able to, to grace this pulpit and also address this congregation in his stead. Praise the Lord. We're going to be going to Exodus chapter 12. Praise the Lord. I know those that were working on the media was kind of wanting to know my direction. Amen. But I was waiting on the director. Praise the Lord. Amen. Exodus chapter 12. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm so thankful that when God decided to order our steps to get to him, I know many times we had the, you know, our church vernacular and we kind of do the thing. You know, when I found Jesus, no, you ain't found no Jesus. Jesus found you. I was lost. I couldn't even find myself, much less find God. Praise the Lord. Talking about we found God. You ain't find God. God found you. And he ordered your steps. Amen. To be where you are right now in this room and those that may be watching praise god to greet you in the wonderful name of jesus amen but when he orders your steps to get to himself there are certain things that will try to hinder you uh getting to him amen amen we are his people the sheep of his pasture and there are many things that will hinder you from getting to him when you start on a journey from away from God to begin to go towards God, that's a transitional period. There's a measure of journey that has to happen. And in that journey, there are some things that have got to go. Amen. Amen. And as he's drawing you to himself, uh, in order for you to make the journey and not grow weary and quit on the way to getting to that destination of God, he has to strip you of some things. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And I believe that was what was going on here in the life 
of the Israelites as they were about to leave Egyptian bondage. Exodus 12, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. Everybody say, this month is the beginning. And it shall be the first month of the year to you. I don't care what everybody else is doing. But for you, this is your beginning. Amen. Don't point to Egypt and tell me what Egypt is doing. Don't point to other nations and other people and tell, tell me what they are doing and try to pattern yourself after them. I'm not leading them to me. I'm leading you to me. Amen. And for, in order for you to get to where I want you to be, where I ordained you to be, this is where you start. This is your beginning. Amen. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, in the tenth month of uh, tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the house be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without uh, a blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it. Uh, out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly uh, of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and ye, they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and up on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Praise God. Amen. 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 This is uh, an account of what we would know today as a Passover. God was about to release them from years of affliction. An extended period of time of pressure and negativity and confusion and obscurity. God was about to make the way straight for them. God was about to perform what he promised. But before they get there, there's some things they had to do. Amen. And it may have seemed like uh, there were some things that God was doing that was different from what they've already always done. And God was beginning to shut some of those things down. Because although it may have worked for you in Egypt, you can't take that with you where I'm taking you. I know you don't get too excited about that, God taking stuff from you. We like holding on to stuff. But not everything can go with you into your promise. Oh, hallelujah. And so today, I want to speak to somebody. I know I have a very direct word for this congregation. And uh, I am going to speak to you about necessary endings. Necessary endings. Lift your hands and let's ask God to speak to us, Lord God. Let them hear the voice of your word, your mind, not just the voice of a man. And we know your word is already anointed, so anoint us to receive it. 
Anoint us to respond to it, Lord God. We're not just hearers of your word, but we want to respond. We want to do, Lord God. We want to hearken. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for the lives that you're going to impact for eternity in this service, Lord. We thank you for your moving of your spirit already. And Lord God, at the Jesus, we ask you, Lord Jesus, to have your way, Lord God. Let the gifts and operations of your spirit be manifested among us today. In the name of Jesus, we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Amen. We are looking at the story of Israel as God is beginning to release them into the promise that he had given them years ago. It began with a man by the name of Abraham, and this man, uh, whom, according to Scripture, we know as the father of the faithful, he began to listen to a voice that he had never heard before from a God that he'd never known before to go to a place that he's never been before. And he, by faith, responds to this voice that nobody else has ever heard the way he's hearing it. At that time, they didn't really know this God. But Abraham, something bore witness in his spirit deep down on the inside that this voice was a true voice. This voice was a clear voice. I don't understand everything about the voice that is speaking, but I know it's almighty God. Hallelujah. So he began to tell him to leave everything he knew to pursue something that he had never seen before. He said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. I'm going to allow the seed of your loins to be as the sand of the sea and as the stars of the sky. Hallelujah. God was giving him a promise that he could not fulfill on his own and when God gives you a real promise there is no way you can do it by yourself hallelujah let me speak to somebody right now that if God is leading you and if God is charting your course you're not going to be able to use skill talent ability intellect you've got to rely on God In order to get to where he is taking you, it's going to depend on God. And when God gives you a call, sometimes to fulfill the call of God, it will require you to call on God. And for some of you that think you can just go through and walk with God without consort, uh, consulting him, hallelujah, and you don't talk to God, you don't pray, you don't read the word, I'm sorry, hallelujah, your, your, your course might be a little crooked, hallelujah, there might be some bumps in the road because you're not consulting with an almighty God that is the one that is directing your directions, hallelujah, I want to follow the voice of God, amen. Is his voice, his voice is beginning to speak to him. It starts getting a little weird now because uh, Abraham is on a fixed income, you know. He's on Social Security drawing from his pension. 
He's, he's, he's preparing. You know, I'm at the end of my road here. And uh, while he's thinking that he's at the end, God gives him a word that changes everything. Well, if I'm at the end of my road, how in the world am I going to fulfill all of this that God is speaking to me? Hallelujah. Because it's not up to you, praise God. You might feel like you're at the end, but if you allow God to bring you through, that is not going to be an end. Hallelujah. It is just the beginning. Hallelujah. When God speaks to you, it might end some things, but when God speaks to you, it also begins some things. Hallelujah. And depending on what you really trust and what you're really following, you will either be excited or you'll be upset that God gave you a word. When God speaks, sometimes we know we got to end some things. We got to put some things away. We've got to leave some things. We got to leave some places. We got to leave some people. And we don't like doing that. We don't like suffering loss. Hallelujah. Amen. We don't like loss. Hallelujah. But if you really understand God, you'll understand that God in the spirit, he inverts principles that we have learned as human beings. So in order to be great, you got to be the least. In order to be high, you got to be low. In order to have gain, you must suffer loss. Hallelujah. But when God subtracts from you, he's actually multiplying you. Hallelujah. Somebody better get this revelation right now. When God subtracts from your life and he takes away, that is not you losing, but you're gaining in God. Why? Because he's creating space for what he intended for you to have to actually... You don't have the capacity right now, hallelujah, to get what God wants to give you. But when God starts bringing away things that you thought you needed and you relied on those things for far too long, God says, I'm going to replace it with empty space. And you look at that empty space and say, well, man, I just lost something. No, you just gained space for God to fill it. It was a necessary ending, but God used the ending to give you a new begin. Oh, good God almighty. Hallelujah. Somebody better realize when God speaks to you about ending some things, it is God giving you a challenge to walk into a new beginning. Amen. So Abraham, you're not at your end. I'm creating space for you. You're losing everything that you thought you needed. You're walking away from everyone that you thought you needed in your life. And, you know, the people, even your family members, bless God, you feel like you're losing family by following the voice of God and the will of God. Some of you, you, you have such a hard time with living for God and doing some things because you know it might rub some people the wrong way. And people might have questions for what you're doing and why you're doing it that way. Why are you going there and why are you listening to that preacher? Why you, why, why you got to live like that? I, I got a call on my my life hallelujah and God is leading me to a promise so I don't care what Egypt is doing I've got to follow God 
And if it takes for me to lose you, well, so long, hallelujah, because if I lose you, I can gain God. Oh, y'all don't like that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because if you're going to gain in the spirit, you're going to have to suffer loss. This is the principle of God. And so he walked away from his family, walked away from everything he knew. All he had was his nephew Lot and uh, his wife. He had no kids, but God said, I'm going to multiply your seed. And look at what he does now. Oh, God. You know, sometimes we get into trouble trying to do God's job, you know. And, you know, I know we got a mixed multitude here. and We got some chillings and some youngins here. You want to give me five, man? Come on, brother. That's right. Yeah. You ain't ready for this type of preaching, so I'm going to skip over this part of Abraham's life. He messed up. Illegitimate child. Amen. Trying to do God's work for him. He believed God, but he said, let me help God out. How many times do we get into trouble trying to help God out? God will do what he said he will do. And if he needs your input, he'll ask you. Amen. Now look at what God does now. Illegitimate child. Then he has a promised son. And then God says, all right, now take that promised son that I'm supposed to make as the sand of the sea. And your offspring will be like the stars of the sky. And I want you to go give him back. Well, I just gained my promise, and you want me to lose it now? But you don't realize, hallelujah, that even if God required for you to give up something that you thought was the promise of God, God has so much more, hallelujah. What, oh, praise God. Look at what God did. He, put, he took his son up and put him on the altar. He was about to take his son's life to sacrifice him unto God as God asked him to do. But as he was about to do it, God stopped him, sent angelic intervention to stop him from derailing his destiny. Hallelujah. And God said, don't worry. I've provided myself a sacrifice. And Abraham began to look at God in a way that he's never seen God before. Why? Because he was willing to obey God even if it seemed like it contradicted the promise. God is challenging Abraham. No, so Abraham has this child. Then his son has twins. So now God just doubled at the next generation. And we know the story between those two guys. One guy, he liked eating more than leading. So he said, he can have that birthright. I don't care about that. And so he gave up his birthright. And so Jacob said, if you don't want the birthright, then you don't need the blessing too. And now, he, now Esau didn't give up this blessing. Esau loved the blessing now. He just didn't value the birthright. That's where modern Christianity is right now. We value blessing, but we don't value the birthright. Hallelujah. I don't just come to church to be blessed. I want to be born into the kingdom of, oh, hallelujah. 
Don't just come to church to feel good and to get blessed. You need to come to church so you can be born into the kingdom. Somebody said, that's my birthright. I've got a right to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I've got a right to be baptized in the name of Jesus. I've got a right to have my life transformed and almighty God living on the inside of me. I ain't just here to get monetary blessings. I'm not just here to get a healing. I want my life to be born again. Abraham, Isaac, Isaac doubles down as Jacob and Esau. And Jacob steps in as a patriarch, and uh, you would think by the third generation, it went from one to two to maybe four if we're multiplying, right? No, it went from one to two to 12. Because when you follow God, it doesn't matter what your math looks like. When he sees that he can trust you with a promise, he'll give you more than what you bargained for. Amen. You're thinking you're losing. But God actually multiplying you. Hallelujah. You think things are ending, but God is turning it around and creating something new for you that you've never walked in. You've never seen before. Hallelujah. And because you've never walked there, you've never seen this before, you've never handled this before. Hallelujah. God says, now I can trust you with it because you won't try to do it with your own intellect and your own training, but you're going to have to pray if you're going to want to know what to do next with what I've given you. You're going to have to fast. Hallelujah. If you want to know what to do next and how to handle what I've given you, praise God. You're going to have to rely on God. Amen. I know that's kind of cultural because the world tells us to fortify ourselves so we can rely on ourselves and not have to rely or depend on nobody else. And, and you know, you know, I'm not here to you know, promote any kind of political idea or anything, but, you know, God is not a communist. Amen. He's not a socialist. Neither is he American. I'm sorry, I know you got your boards and stuff, but this ain't a democratic republic. This is a kingdom. And what God says... Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Your vote don't count in the kingdom. Your obedience does. Amen. So God, more than exponential, he went from one son to two sons to 12 sons. And by the time God began to fulfill a promise that he gave to Abraham because here's, God gave Abraham a promise, but he gave him some stipulations. He told him that at some point, your offspring is going to go to a land that is not theirs and they're going to be afflicted. This is, this is not something that came by surprise. God told Abraham this was going to happen. And by the time it started happening where they were leaving their own land to go to Egypt for sustenance, they thought they were just going to have a couple meals and, you know, go, go on, you know, uh, Egyptian welfare, you know, kind of draw from the system because I got to... 
my brother's got to eat. You know, I don't care if somebody's going to laugh at me because I'm buying my groceries with food stamps. But I mean, I'm going to eat. You might try to starve and suffer and try to do your own backyard urban garden. And you go ahead and grow your own tomatoes. But hallelujah, my, my family's going to be sustained. Oh, hallelujah. So, yes, the people of Israel went on welfare. They went into Egypt, began to draw from the system. And by the time they got to Egypt, they weren't one or two or 12, there were 70. And they went into Egypt to be sustained. But in their sustenance, God allowed some problems to occur. After a while, it wasn't the same leaders there anymore. Wasn't the same officials there anymore. And so, you know, this new Pharaoh now, Bible says he knew not Joseph. How you know not Joseph? And an Israelite desert dweller comes from nowhere Matter of fact, not nowhere, comes from the prison, comes from the guttermost, come up out of the mud, and becomes the second most powerful man in the world. And you don't know him? You can, you going to tell me y'all wasn't keeping record? And you didn't know that happened in your history? He chose not to know Joseph. God turned his heart. This is the same God that God said, Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh to speak to him, to let my people go, and I'm sure he won't listen. Y'all need to read your Bible. God told him. God told him he wasn't going to listen. And Moses had to agree to it. Would you follow God if God told you to do something that you knew weren't going to work? Oh, here we go. Because it challenges your faith. Hallelujah. It's it's supposed to work if God is in it. But you don't realize sometimes God allows a measure of failure. God allows a measure of necessary endings because it's creating space for the beginning of what God truly wanted to be manifested in your life. Lift your hands right now in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Now these people are in Egypt. 400 years. And then some. Because God raised up a deliverer. And raised him to be an Egyptian, although he was trained to know what it was to be an Israelite. So he decided one day, I'd rather suffer loss with the people of God than to live in worldly abundance and gain and endure the pleasures of Egypt for the rest of my life. I'd rather suffer with God's people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Listen to me. When Moses 
left. He didn't leave on good terms. Moses left because he tried to do God's job and messed it up. Ended up committing murder. And so he wouldn't be punished for his actions, he left. And so he leaves and goes and dwells in the wilderness in Midian. For 40 years, nobody hears from Moses. And God finds Moses. Moses did not find God. When God was ready to fulfill his promise, God found Moses, even though he was somewhere in the backside of a desert. God can find you. I don't care if you're in a dry place. I don't care if you're, you feel like you're nowhere and you feel like you're headed into a brick wall. God knows where you are and when he's good and ready, he'll come and find you. He said, now we're going to do this my way. Let me end this season of your life. You're content with just being out here. I raised you to be royalty. But you're content to be out here with the sheep. And God begins to speak to him about a purpose of his life that he already knew about. He already knew he was to be the deliverer. That's why he committed murder. Because he thought, well, they should know that I'm supposed to be the, you know, the deliverer, the, the savior. No, 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 no. And so when God starts speaking to him about his purpose after him going through a dry season, he begins to say, I, 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 I can't do that. Do you realize? Right now, you're going to have to turn off your Disney movies and turn off, you know, your, your, your Ten Commandments. With You have to turn that off because... The Bible says that Moses was mighty in Egypt. He was mighty in word and deed. In word and deed, meaning he was trained to be a statesman. He was trained to have diplomacy. He knew how to talk. But because he went through this season for far too long, he began to forget what was instilled in him. And God said, I came to resurrect that. Hallelujah. You might have thought you lost it, but you still got it. That's why I called you. I put it in you. And now, I'm about to end it. This dry season is going away. Oh, hallelujah. God just opened your book. Lift your hands right now. You felt like you've been in a dry season. You felt like your walk with God has been in a dry spell. And you know something's shifting right now. You know God's doing something right now because things are beginning to change and you, you realize that God is, God is trying to do something. I don't know what it is, but I, 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 I want to follow God, but, but, but I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. Hallelujah. If he calls you, he will equip you, not with what you think you need. He'll equip you with himself. Hallelujah. He'll give you himself. Hallelujah. That's why we need the baptism of the Holy Ghost because if you want to live right, Right? You can't do it by yourself. He'll give you himself to help you live right, to help you walk right, to help you talk right. He'll give you himself. 
You want to be a better husband? You can't do that by yourself. You need God. You want to be a better mother? You can't do that by yourself. You need God. Hallelujah. God will give you a supernatural exposure encounter with fire just to wake you up. And after you see that fire in the wilderness, in your dry place, he didn't go to the promised land to see the fire. He was still in this dry place when he saw the fire. And out of the fire came a voice. Commission him. He said, I'm about to put an end to the affliction of my people. They've been enslaved far too long. I'm about to change it. But this is how I'm going to change it. I am going to begin something new. When God ends things, he doesn't just leave it dangling there for dear life. He ends it with a beginning in mind. There's something else beyond your obedience of ending what God is telling you to end. So the people that don't understand this, they, they feel like they got to hold on to some of the things that bring them, they f think it brings them joy and brings them a measure of peace and brings them a measure of sanity. They don't want to push away the, 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 the bottle because uh, it, it brings a measure uh, uh, of desensitization. I don't have to feel certain things uh, that I, I'm going to be faced to, to deal with. Well, God said, you got to deal with that because if you don't deal with that thing, then I can't give you what you really want and what you really know that you're supposed to have if you don't push away those 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 drugs hallelujah i don't care if you didn't get them off the street and you got them at walgreens if you're abusing them it's drug abuse hallelujah god says you don't need that you need me you need me you need me so God wants to end your dependency on the world. God wants to end your dependency on your substance. God wants to end your dependency on yourself. It's a necessary ending. If you really want God's beginning, lift your hands right now. Hallelujah. It's a necessary ending. It's a necessary end. Keep your hands lifted. It's a necessary ending. You've been going through that far too long. But God is getting ready to turn it around. And this is how he wants you to turn it around. He says, I want you to take a lamb. I don't care if it's a lamb or a goat, but I want it to be something that's without blemish. It is a measure of perfection to you. Hallelujah. And he said, I want you to kill it. Yes, when God is beginning something new in your life, it feels like things that you held dear dies. God said, I'm not going to kill it for you. You go get it. Oh, hear this preacher right now. Say, you go get it. You take that thing and you kill it. 
because where you're going, as a matter of fact, this is going to be the last meal you have in this current circumstance. You are not going to see this place anymore. Those Egyptians that afflicted you after this night, after this day, you're not going to see that anymore. It's not going to afflict you anymore. Hallelujah. And so if you get it right now, I can open up the endless possibilities of my promise to you. Oh, somebody hear me right now. Stop holding on to that thing. Hallelujah. God is trying to end it. And he's not trying to end it because he wants to punish you or he wants you, hallelujah, to feel like you're in, in, in a place without. Hallelujah. He's making space for what you really need for this next season of your life, this next journey that he's putting you on. And God is not going to kill those things for you. You're going to have to bring it to the altar. Oh, hallelujah. God is knocking. Lift your hands. God is knocking. You got to bring it to the altar and you kill it. Because if you're willing to do that, I'll know of a surety that you value me more than you value that. struggle and we hurt ourselves when we hold on too long. Hold on to things that God is trying to subtract from our lives. We hold on too long and God is trying to remove it. God has to deal with it. You realize, I know people don't really like the fact that there's a hell and people go to it, but you, you realize that hell wasn't created for you and me. You realize that? Hell was actually created for the devil and those backslidden angels that couldn't even live for God when there was no devil. You realize that? They were in paradise in heaven. And he couldn't, he could, you got one job, Lucifer. And you couldn't do that in perfection. And he coming up in your face trying to remind you of your past and he couldn't even live when there was no sin. And you got all these pressures around you and you've got all these temptations trying to face you. And here you are in the house of God. Don't you let that devil try to intimidate you. He's jealous. He's jealous because hell is reserved for him. And here's what the devil does. The devil wants to introduce sin into your life. Because misery loves company. That miserable devil don't want to go to hell by himself. So he'll try to influence you and I to try to do the things that will chart our course to his destination. And when God is getting ready to begin to draw us to him, he challenges the things that we've held on to that God did not give us. That anxiety, God didn't give it to you. Suicidal thoughts, God didn't give it to you. Depression, God didn't give it to you. 
addiction to nicotine, God didn't give it to you. The, the devil introduced that into your life. And when God is getting ready to take you to promise, he challenges those things. He says, let it go, kill it. Bring it to the altar and kill it. Hallelujah. But you know what we do? We hold on to those things. And people go to hell not because God sends them there. People go to hell because God must judge sin. And he will judge sin. And if we're holding on to it, we become collateral damage of the judgment of God. As long as you hold on to that, you'll be included in that judgment. But when you kill it, God says, this is your beginning. Lift, oh, good God. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to God right now. Hallelujah. This is your beginning. This is where you start. This is where you start. You're going to pursue a promise. Hallelujah. Affliction is no more in your life. You're going to pursue a promise, and this is where you start. You bring that precious thing, and you slay it on the altar. This is how I purchase your freedom. It takes a lamb on the altar to die so that a door can be created to your tomorrow. But you're going to have to kill it. Hallelujah. Stand with me right now. The Holy Ghost wants to move in this place. People get bent out of shape and they create philosophies and ideas that are kind of destructive to certain measures of cultures and society. They have an idea called anti-Semitism. That's people that uh, have harsh feelings toward the Jewish uh, ethnicity and culture and people. And it even creeps into Christian circles because the idea is that, well, it, it was Jewish people that killed Jesus. Yes, but it was the will of God. It was the will of God. It was a necessary ending. Because God's not going to kill the lamb. You have to kill the lamb. And every time we've sinned in our lives, we laid things upon him, stripes. God said, when I die, something new is about to take place. I'm going to birth something, hallelujah, that's going to end your bondage. It's going to end your affliction, hallelujah. It's going to end your servitude to sin, hallelujah. And God says, I'm going to birth a church out of this death. God, I'm going to birth a promise out of this death. I'm going to send a comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, out of this death, hallelujah. And if you would bring that lamb that you think is so precious in your life and bring it to the altar and... God says, I'm going to burst something new. Lift your hands. God is calling you to kill something. In the middle of transition. Because if you go to the promise without killing it, you're not going to handle it or value it properly. There's about to be some necessary endings in this place. 
it's necessary. God is calling you to put it on an altar and kill it. Why? Because he has something fresh. He has something new. He has something more. And when you kill it, it will create space. Hallelujah. All eyes closed and all hands lifted right now. Hallelujah. God is changing you, sir. It's time to kill it. Those ideas that have kept you from God, it's time to kill it. Ma'am, those excuses you've had for why you, you can't serve the Lord God is asking you to kill it. Bring it to the altar. Those, those relationships, those things, those substances that you've relied on for far too long, God says it's time to put it on my altar and kill it. And I want you to eat it with bitter herbs. I want you to taste how disgusting it is. Hallelujah. The flavor of that baggage in your life is putrid to God. And God wants you to know how bitter it is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But after that, God's about to birth something that you could not bring to fruition on your own. Hallelujah. How about it, young man? The things that have presented itself on your screen and forms of entertainment. God says, bring it to the altar and kill it. Why? Because I've got something fresh for you and I can't take you there unless you kill that thing. How about it, young lady? God is calling you. God is reaching for you, but you have to bring the lamb to the altar. Come on. He's taking your relationship to a new place, new heights, hallelujah, expansion of your joy, hallelujah, with your family. But that can't happen unless you take that thing that has hindered the promise of God and put it on the altar and say, God, today it ends. This is not just the end of that. It's the beginning of my promise. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let it go. Come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Those things that's terrorized your purpose far too long. It's time for you to put it to an end. Hallelujah. And it's necessary. Don't you listen to the voice that say you can fulfill that. You can do that without doing all of that. You can, you can, you can see the, the hand of God without you going that far. No. God says today you bring it and put it on the altar and kill it. Come on. You realize these people were slaves. You know how much a lamb meant to those people that didn't have nothing? You know how much meals that was? 
It took sacrifice to make sacrifice. A sacrifice is not a sacrifice until it's a sacrifice. It has to hurt. It has to die. It has to feel like you lost something. There should be a whole lot more people at this altar saying, God, take it. Because what you're going to do in the tomorrow is much better than what I've got now. I'm not just suffering loss. I'm making room for a miracle in my life. Here it is now. As I'm speaking to you, God has brought things into your consciousness, specific things, and you argued with God as you are listening to this preaching, saying it's my right to hold on to that. Because God challenged you to let go of bitterness and grudges and resentment and unforgiveness because you've got a right. You know what they did to me? Yes, he knows what they did to you. Do you know what they did to him? And God said, I'm still willing for die, to die. Jesus said, I'm so committed to this, I will handpick my betrayer. Jesus chose Judas. I will handpick the one that will hand me over. Y'all really want to be like Jesus? God said, I'm willing to die for the people that hate me. And what God is, oh, hallelujah. I'm willing to die for the people that betrayed me, for the people that left me, for the people that hurt me, knowing that it was a necessary ending. Hear the voice of the Lord in this house. The people that God is asking you to get over might be sitting in your row. You know what they did. You probably never confronted it. A lot of people probably don't know about it. Oh, hallelujah. God says it's time. You give it to me. Bring it on the altar and kill it. Because guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to burn it.
Some of you don't have a, a lamb or a goat. Some of you have a sacred cow. God says, kill it. It's a necessary ending. It's necessary for the better that I have for you. Kill it. Come on, lift your voice to God. Lift your voice to God. Lift your voice to God. It's going to hurt now, but it's going to help you tomorrow because where God's taking you, you can't get there without crossing this road. Come on, when you kill that thing, it's a measure of repentance. You're causing some things to die. That's a big roadblock. Hallelujah. On your journey to fulfill the promise and to receive what God has for you. Some of you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And God says, you've been blocked. Why? Because there's been this big thing that you've held on to. And I am not going to force myself around that thing. You have got to bring it and kill it. And when you kill it, I'll burn it. And when I burn it, it's going to be gone forever. And I'll have clear access into your heart, into your mind, into your head. Come on, if we can have the ministry come and help. It's necessary. This is necessary. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let this be your prayer. God, forgive me for holding on to that. Forgive me for causing my own stumbling box, Lord God. Hallelujah. Lord, I thought I was okay because it wasn't necessarily a sin, but it was something that blocked me, hallelujah, from pursuing what you've called me to have and what you've called me to operate in, what you've called me to do, hallelujah, for your kingdom, who you've called me to be for my family, hallelujah. God, I remove it out of the way right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 
Come on. Come on, don't let it be a struggle. Don't let it be a struggle. If you keep holding on to that, hallelujah. Some of you don't want to do it because you're going to have to revisit some feelings you thought you got over, but no, it's still there. It's still there. That's why the word of the Lord came as a two-edged sword. Hallelujah. That doesn't mean it's double-sided. It's two-edged. It could be double-edged. That means it will cut under the layers. It will remove the layers of callousness that cause you to not think about and have to ignore the things that God wants to deal with. But right now, the word of the Lord has visited you. It's visited you. It's visited you. If you're still in your seat, I want you to pray for the person that's standing next to you, sitting next to you. Come on, shake that thought off. Thoughts are trying to invade your world, telling you this is not necessary. That's a lie. This is very necessary. 